Shadow Stalking 101 is designed to help students of shadow work transform their lives through somatic integration practices that evolve soul and unlock true purpose in life. There are three modules, the overworld, the underworld, and the worlds in between, and with over 20 practices and guided meditations, presentations, and a host of writings and journal prompts and exercises and practices to take with you, you will develop the skills and the somatic awareness in order to become a shadow stalker. You'll find a link in the show notes to the course, Shadow Stalking 101. Go get that now and be ready to completely transform and reimagine the world around you. Hi, I'm Melissa Meter, and this is the Synchrosoma Podcast. Remember to subscribe. Find me at Instagram at Synchrosoma. My email is synchrosoma at gmail.com and on the web, synchrosoma.com. In a lot of these uh, healing modalities and even religious traditions, there's this idea of becoming your higher self or your best self in the in the self-improvement world. Becoming your best self is what it's all about, right? Now, I have a pretty uh, strong practice on Instagram of doing a daily writing. That might not be that way forever, but for now, I, I pretty much write every day um, and post something. And I follow some people. And as soon as, if I'm reading somebody's post and they start talking about self-improvement, higher self, highest self, better self, bettering yourself, or even healing. If I, if, if there's a lot of language that is future-ish about who you're supposed to be later, I stop reading. And I, and in my head... Um, because I'm a, a little bit of a rebel class clown that I was the type of person that I did ditch school a lot. And I, you know, I heckled the teacher a little bit. I'll be listening to this and I'll say, well, what about your worst self? What about that person? Because there's probably something like 75% of you is run by your worst self. And maybe there's 25% of you that has access to, to the best self. And so, I, you know, that's problematic if you're wanting to be conscious that we're focused on something that is underdeveloped and if we're avoiding something that's highly developed. Let's say you're still with me here and you're willing to go down this path with me towards your worst self or your lower self. And you're curious and you want to know what I mean about why, why integrating or showing up or getting connected to your worst self would be a good thing rather than focusing on, I don't know, fitness and being healthier and um, getting over things or having closure or all of those kinds of things. Like why would 
contacting and attending to your worst self be a good thing. Well, kind of like what I mentioned, um, our unconscious, our shadow, our dark self, our id or it energy is pretty huge and tends to run most of what we do, even though we think we're doing some. This is why, you know, somebody's going to go to a nine to five job all day long and then they'll go home and sit at their computer watching porn all night because the id or the it has to be unleashed after all of that, you know, persona, that tie wearing, that perfect haircut, the seem like I'm such a good person. And, you know, I'm making a cartoon out of it a little bit here, but the point is that you don't have to do that. You don't have to pretend to be one thing and then go unleash the beast in the dark. You can integrate the darkness and mingle the darkness and the light and be the container for those parts of yourself. And that's what I call witness consciousness and Shakshi in Sanskrit. And it's a idea and a identity of holding space rather than identification is either good or bad. Sometimes when I'm working with somebody, we'll really get to a good, deep troll part of self, a, you know, something that's really ugly and painful to approach, you know, really yucky behavior, hidden things, secrets, or past part of self that was very dark or did bad things. And, you know, usually we find that the current self, the one who's trying to pretend to be good, is, is, has a lot of judgment for that older version of self, the one that you know, did all those drugs or whatever. And once we can change our attitude towards the past or our unconscious parts of ourself or our darker behaviors, once we change our attitude and we kind of contain it and get it that we might have been coping at that time or doing, you know, whatever we could to numb out and and survive something or we developed a habit because it was easier just to turn off our brain or whatever. Once we stop having just a bunch of judgment about that self, then we can start to hold it and, and be with it. And then that thing that's under the bed becomes this cute little monster this cute little troll. It's interesting, you know, recently in the cartoon world anyway, monsters have started to become lovable. And I did a cartoon once where I had the little girl under the bed waiting to scare the monster. But the idea is that monsters are only scary and um, shameful and unlovable when we judge them. Once we just see them as beings, you know, scared animals, parts of ourself that want love just like the rest of ourself, then it's very easy to approach them, look them really in the eye and up and down and just see where kind of the pain has been. And we can bring some love to that. And that's actual evolving our soul 
not this idea of healing or putting in the past or getting behind, getting things, bad behaviors behind us and, and turning towards some greater version of ourselves. this turning towards the, the pain and the troll and just letting that troll be what it is and then opening your arms to it. That's what evolves us. You don't have to be healed. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be healthy. You don't have to be out of pain. You don't have to be liked. You don't have to be pretty. None of those things. When you really own the ugliest and worst parts of who you are, who you've been, then you become a bigger version of yourself and a lot more, have a lot more capacity to love the things that have seemed hateable, unlovable, or not, not approachable. Shameful. One of the greatest things about this is that, and I've seen this with myself, with my clients, that in these darker places is where the real magic, the boons, the magical powers, the gold, the gifts are. So so there's this like self-improvement thing, like do this, do that, and get somewhere and heal. But that but it's fool's gold. It's not real. The real gold is in being real about who you are and who you've been without shame, like in a loving way. Now, just to say something a little bit here about shame, you know, some of the things that are really the emotions that are hated the most are fear and shame, you know, rage too. But, but boy, is fear like, row that the fear is controlling you rise above the fear. Just, you know, don't give into the fear. All that stuff is the same thing. It's, it's turning away from shadow and trying to be a better version of yourself. Now with shame and like all hated things or all trolls or all things we turn away from, there's going to be gold there. And one of the things inside of shame is this gentle, slow humility, learning to be humble and let go of arrogance or pompous or posturing or persona. Um, not that you can fully let go of persona or something, but the idea of not being false is hidden inside of shame once we're not judging it. And humility is something that is highly regarded. Um, you can look at the samurai tradition or the yogic path or and the heart path for that matter. The, the initiate is asked to be humble, to have some humility, to not be arrogant. And, and if, if you were a person whose development was interrupted in some way during your pre-adolescence or adolescence, there's a chance that you've covered up a natural adult version of humbleness or humility with either cockiness or shame, which to me is both the same thing. Cocky people or um, uh, arrogant people are probably hiding the other side of that coin, which is some deep feelings of unworthiness or shame. Our worst self then in this way is a 
part to companion and to not just show up for like you're superior to it, but to really be humble even when you do that and and not coming after it like, oh, what's wrong with you or what, you know, that's part of judgment. So if you, if we can really make ourselves not small in a way that we're diminishing ourselves, but but small in the way that we've become soft and gentle towards the things that we've done in the past that we've judged, towards the past behaviors, the the harmful things we've said to people, the um, crimes we've committed even, if we can show up in a gentle way with our open arms, with a lot of soul, bringing a lot of love and, and, you know, gently bringing love because the troll tends to live in the dark and be very um, adverse to too much attention so slow, gentle, quiet space holding is really what's often required for parts of ourselves that have held a lot of shame or um, just never felt loved or liked or held. So we're the ones that are showing up finally like the good parent we never had. We're the grown up with love, unconditional love, holding our own self and our darkest self, our most hurt self, our most hidden shame holding self. We're the ones that are finally showing up to do that work, that that self-parenting. It may seem like a totally unfathomable thing like you've really been conditioned to just improve, you know, get fit, whatever it is. Um, so this might be kind of a whole new bunch of ideas here. And the path is heart. It's always going to be the heart path. All, all this other stuff is secondary. Whatever you're doing to improve yourself or feel better, or even heal an opened wound comes after we have dropped into our energy, our soma, our body, our heart. And the reason heart is so important is because it hasn't been here. So we want to we want to get good at that. But do do what it takes for you to find the tools and the methods for learning how to do that because most of us weren't taught how to love ourselves or how to show up for ourselves or how to think about ourself. We weren't even taught. How, I, I had a client once where I was leading her to just self-love and she said it never occurred to her to love herself. She got it that she was supposed to love other people and that maybe people loved her, but never even occurred to her to love herself. And so that was really eye-opening for me. So really that's step number one. And I know there's a lot of trauma type specialists out there that are saying you don't have to love yourself to do this work. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You really want to be willing, even if there's only one little thing you can love about yourself, like, you know, your taste in music or, you know, great taste in clothes or your pinky toe. It it doesn't matter, but you got to build on that and then learn how to 
get present in body and turn towards yourself, no matter what you're like, no matter how you've been, no matter who you are now, no matter what's troubling you now, this is the, the work is to get onto the heart path. Thank you for listening to the Synchrosoma podcast. I'm Melissa Meter, and you can find me here each week with another journey into the known, the unknown, and the worlds in between. If you'd like to get in touch and find out more about what I do, coaching and courses, contact me at synchrosoma at gmail.com, and you can find me on Instagram at synchrosoma. See you next time. Organically Grown on Podcast Farm.